This is the Eye on Potatoes, brought to you by the National Potato Council. The Eye is the place to tune in for conversations with growers and thought leaders on advocacy, production, and all things potatoes. Now, here's your host, Lane Nordland. Hey, welcome back to the Eye on Potatoes podcast. Lane Nordland, happy to have you with us here once again. And as the fall weather turns a little more crisp across the countryside, potato producers are wrapping up their fall harvest across much of the U.S. And the 2020 election is just starting to heat up. Just a few weeks left in the 2020 election cycle. So, There's a lot of activity going on out in the countryside and out in Washington, D.C. And speaking of Washington, D.C., we are going to check in with the CEO of the National Potato Council, Mr. Cam Quarles. Cam, uh, how are things out in the nation's capital today? Lane, they're they're looking good. We are within a month of the election, so the the countdown has started, and uh, we're obviously there's a lot of attention on that. It's... uh, as folks have said, elections have consequences, and depending on who wins the White House, has charge is in charge of Capitol Hill, that's going to define some of the things we're looking at for the coming year, for 2021. Well, a lot of uh, conversations over the past few weeks out there with, with funding bills, with uh, a, uh, another uh, package to aid the whole United States public uh, impacted by the pandemic. Uh, of course, uh, that relief package has been put on the back burner till after the election. But we have seen the second round of the coronavirus food assistance program uh, become uh, available. Folks are starting to enroll. They have until December 11th. 11th to enroll in CFAP 2, but uh, the CFAP uh, 1, that uh, payments are still being made uh, to producers, Cam. Can you talk a little bit about how that program that originally wasn't favorable to the potato industry, which finally that all got ironed out, we've talked about that in past shows, how is the, the CFAP program uh, rolling along here in the fall? Yeah, Lane, we, the latest numbers uh, that just came out a couple of days ago, it appears that about $10 billion of the $16 billion originally allocated for that, that uh, disaster relief, that CFAP-1, uh, has gone out the door. Uh, as you remember, the, the specialty crop industry, including potatoes, had some challenges with that. There were a number of hurdles that were installed um, that, that limited participation in the program. I think the the contrast that I'm hearing, Lane, is CFAP one, the first version. There there were so many sign up challenges. People were ineligible for a variety of reasons, or they had limited eligibility. There was a lot of conversation. I was getting a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails. There's a great deal of talk amongst everyone in the fruit and vegetable industry about <clears throat> about how the program worked what needed to be done to fix it. Uh, it was it was nonstop discussions for weeks and weeks and weeks. What's notable, a huge contrast with CFAP2, is it has been quiet. Um, the CFAP2, as you, as you remember, a much easier sign-up, casts a much broader net. And, you know, we've been going around, obviously, we want to solve any sign-up problems that producers are, are having. We want the program to run efficiently. We've been out talking to folks, and 
the 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 challenges with signing up for it just don't appear to be there um, in in large measure. Uh, a huge difference over the first version of the program, and I, I think that relative quiet in terms of difficulties with the program indicates that folks who want to take part in it have the ability to take part in it, and hopefully it's going to run efficiently through the end of the year. And as we look at that, Cam, maybe let's uh, talk more about how much funding is available for this second round of CFAP, because uh, that is set up just a little bit different from that first round. It is. Uh, the numbers that USDA provided were $14 billion uh, overall. Um, that's for that's for all commodities. And as you, as you remember, the there nearly every commodity in the United States is eligible for this, with very limited exceptions. Um, so, our major concern was fourteen billion across nearly all of U.S. agriculture is going to get drawn down fairly quickly, assuming folks get in and sign up uh, and and enable themselves to participate. So our, our, our worry was that the resources eventually, as you get into late November, early December, just weren't going to be there anymore. Um, it appears that, you know, cl- clearly there's, there's uh, carryover money from the CFAP-1 program. Um, ten, they, they, they only used $10 billion of the initial 16 that they had. Um, whether or not that money can be... Uh, fungible and moved over into CFAP2. I, 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 I don't know how USDA is viewing that internally, um, but we're, we're, we are hopeful that, that from the potato industry side of the house, folks get in, sign up, put themselves at the front of the line so they don't have to worry about um, not having enough, call it gas in the tank, once we get into to early December and possibly losing out on benefits that they should otherwise have. Also, Cam, uh, a lot of headlines. I talked about it on on my uh, uh, farm broadcasting uh, uh, radio show uh, multiple multiple days in a row was the uh, a resolution to keep the government funded, and there was a lot of concern in the agriculture community talking about uh, how uh, uh, the important funding to the uh, farm bill programs, uh, conservation, a part of that, nutrition, a part of that. How would have that uh, played out for the potato industry if that uh, temporary government spending bill would not have been passed. How how would that have impacted the industry, and uh, what does it look like now as we work uh, up until the point where we need to reallocate more funds to keep the government rolling? Yeah, that's a great question, Lane. So to to make... Uh, this is going to sound like a crazy statement to make to try to try to make the federal government simple for everyone. Um, you've got two different sides of the funding house. You have mandatory spending, like the uh, a very substantial amount of the money that is passed under the farm bill is mandatory. So um, even if you have a government shutdown, in theory, those those payments continue. Congress doesn't have to come back and authorize money every single year to keep fundamental functions of the go- uh, of the government operating. So that's the mandatory side of the house. The discretionary side of the house is what gets impacted by what what you were asking about when the September 30th comes and the federal government does not have 
they call it appropriations bill, it's a spending bill. Um, they don't have an appropriations bill signed by the president, either discreetly for things like the agriculture department or on a broad basis where you would lump agriculture in with uh, health and human services and defense, and they, they call that an omnibus bill. If the president hasn't signed that bill, effectively there's no money to pay the salaries of the career staff that keep the government running. Um, there's no money for anything that has to be funded on an annual basis. So that's a lot of the research programs that USDA is engaged in. Uh, you've got um, fundamental activities that occur in foreign markets in terms of inspectors, oversight, those type of things. All that, in theory, can stop. And we've even seen it um, for folks who rely on the guest worker programs where they need to have um, foreign labor come into the United States. Pieces of that chain, the offices that are are engaged in getting those folks their visas, some of those career staff can uh, effectively be be uh, be told to go home, stay away from the job. You can't process those visas. Labor gets backed up, and it becomes a huge problem. So, the we've we've dealt with it. Unfortunately, we've dealt with this every year um, for a number of years. Congress has not been able to complete the spending process and get a bill to the president's desk by September 30th. And so this year, much like they've done in years past, they had to, had to pass a short-term spending bill. That bill ends on December 11th. And on or before December 11th, Congress and the White House are going to have to get, get together to figure out how to fund the federal government either through the rest of this fiscal year, we're into FY21 fiscal year, that again will end in September 30th, September 30th of 2021, or they've got to do another short-term spending bill to bounce that out into, into the coming year uh, to try to get their house in order. So it's not the most elegant way of, of dealing with our federal spending. It creates a lot of uh, it, it's it's a, a lot of volatility in some of the things that that we rely on every day. Um, you know, t telling researchers they've got to go home for a week or a, or a month that can cause real problems when you're, you're you're doing some some fairly detailed technical activities. Um, shutting your office down for an indeterminate period of time is not a great way to operate. Um, but unfortunately, it's the environment that we're in, Lane. So, right now, that's the big that's that's the big date that we're looking at is once you get past the election, December 11th, the federal government, the, the Congress, the White House have got to figure out how are you going to keep the federal government operating. So, the end of the year, I, I think, is going to be um, it's going to be a busy time around here as they try to sort all that out. 
Well, it's, uh, I, I'm glad we have folks like you and your team out in Washington, D.C. to not only explain this to uh, to all of us out here, <laughs> wherever we're tuning in at, but, but also just to make sure that uh, the, the potato industry's interests are always at the forefront of our, our elected officials and our uh, agency officials as well. And, and Cam, also uh, a big event coming up here in just a few uh, months would be the 2021 Potato Expo. Uh, COVID's throwing a, a wrench in, in a lot of uh, events across the nation. Uh, what, what are the talks about uh, the 2021 Potato Expo? Uh, what can folks expect? And uh, I'll just give you the floor to talk about what, what, what we're going to be looking forward to. Sure. So uh, the Potato Expo 2021, right now, it is scheduled to be a hybrid event lane. So we, you know, you were you were with us for the first time. We loved having you in in Las Vegas. That was the biggest Potato Expo we have ever had. Was was January of of this year. Um, we're we currently the 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 2021 Expo uh, slated for for January 2021 is supposed to be a physical event in Dallas, Texas. Uh, at the Gaylord Texan, and right now we have it set up uh, as a a hybrid. So you would have both a physical in-person event, and you would also have uh, a virtual component to it. Obviously, we're taking in the data just like everybody else is. Our main priority is we want to have a valuable, productive event that can be conducted safely. Um, that, that's, that's our obligation for all of our attendees and certainly, you know, all, all the, the entire industry and, and the staff here at NPC, we, we want to make sure everybody is safe. Um, so we're, we're taking in that information. Um, I think people have become uniquely focused on, on COVID as if they weren't already, um, given some of the developments that occurred in the past week with, the with the president, um, you know, if the if the president can get it, probably anybody can get it, and so we're we're trying to trying to grapple with with um, uh, what things are going to look like in January. We're we're going out talking to potential attendees, all of our sponsors. You know, what how, how what what do you make of this? Um, and once we've got all the data gathered, we'll we'll have a have an internal conversation if we can carry off. Uh, carry out a, uh, an expo in person, we're going to do it. Um, if we've got to go entirely virtual, we'll, we'll make that announcement at the appropriate time. But that's uh, where we're, we're trying to trying to make our decision based on the best available data. And we will let you know how all that rolls out. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing what what the plan will be, and uh, again, we just all have to adapt during these times and uh, continue to uh, do what we do to help the potato industry move forward, no matter what role we play in it. So, Cam, thank you so much for that update. Other than that, Cam, just I I'd say the potato harvest is pretty close to to wrapping up across much of the nation, uh, especially around here in Montana. I know it's uh, uh, very close to wrapping up, but uh, anything else that you would just like to share with uh, uh, the members of the potato industry here today? Yeah, on on Harvest Lane, uh, the the uh, I I think the a little bit of a contrast from last year. You know, last year we had some weather related uh, issues right right around harvest time in certain areas of the country. Um, by and large, uh, weather has has not been that big of an impact for us this year in contrast to last year. Um, 
So that's, you know, that's pretty positive. And we're also hopeful that, you know, as the economy comes back, um, the, the, the potatoes that were harvested this year are going to see some pretty, um, uh, pretty aggressive strengthening demand, um, both at retail and food service. So, um, we're, we're cautiously optimistic. Obviously, we have no idea what the future holds, but it, it appears that, um, things from, from that perspective, a little bit better. A um, little bit better than last year uh, in terms of, of harvest and and the weather related impacts. So um, that's that's heartening as we're as we're looking towards towards the end of this year. Um, in terms of other things, uh, the you you may have seen Lane. Uh, typically, we in conjunction with Expo, we will have the NPC annual meeting. We have taken that annual meeting. We've broken it off from Expo. It will now be attached to the fly-in, which is in late late February. So um, we're excited by that. Um, that that is a change that um, uh, obviously is is driven largely by current events, and um, we we think it'll be able to focus um, folks on the business of NPC when they're here in the nation's capital for the fly-in. So that uh, I, I would add that as one. Uh, current event change that we've made to the schedule for this year. Well, Cam, it's always a pleasure to catch up and hear what's going on in Washington, D.C. And for our friends uh, listening to the podcast, make sure and subscribe on your podcast listening devices. Cam, other than that, uh, anything else you'd like to share before I let you get back to your workday? No, it was good to talk to you, Lane. And uh, if I don't talk to you further, have a have a good good couple of weeks here, and we will circle back up right around probably uh, uh, pretty close to the election. So we'll we'll have some more information to share. I'm sure everybody will fo- be focused on that and what that means for the for the coming year. Very, very true. It's going to be an exciting next few weeks for the 2020 election. Again, Cam Quarrel, CEO of the National Potato Council. Thanks for joining us. I'm Lane Nordlund. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the National Potato Council's Eye on Potatoes podcast with host Lane Nordlund. For more information, visit nationalpotatocouncil.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today.